Are you looking for expert analysis and the latest news in the promotional products industry? You must be, because you're listening to the Promo Marketing Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Promo Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Norris, joined as always by Brendan Menefis, Senior Digital Editor for Promo Marketing. We are coming to you a week later than usual since both of us were out for a few days enjoying spring break there. Uh, not like the rowdy college version, just some nice vacation downtime, you know. Uh, but we are back in action. Uh, today, we've got a really good show planned for you all. Our guests for this episode are Emily Jaworski and Dominique Volker of Whitestone Branding. Uh, it's a distributor company based in New York City. Uh, Emily was kind enough to help out with our February magazine cover story on industry price increases. And she and Dominique joined us on the pod to follow up on that story and give us some more details on how Whitestone is handling price increases, ways to communicate this stuff with customers, uh, what they're seeing as far as additional price increases and inventory issues, uh, a whole bunch more. The sense we're getting from talking to suppliers and other distributors is that there are even more price increases in store for this year, which means you're going to want to have a solid plan for dealing with these things and keeping your customers happy. Uh, so Emily and Dominique shared some really great ideas and insight on what's working for them. Uh, hopefully it'll work for you as well. Uh, you, so you don't want to miss that. We will get to that in just a moment. Before we do, there's one thing we need to discuss. Brendan, you already know what it is. We mentioned on the last episode that Elon Musk, a uh, friend of the show, Elon Musk, <laughs> had, had bought a minority stake in Twitter. Uh, but since then, he just went ahead and bought Twitter entirely uh, for $44 billion, I think it was. Yep. Um, Brendan, you had an interesting take here. Do you want to go ahead and and just jump right into that? Yeah, my kind of uh, hypothesis here is that, I mean, we've, we've covered this many, many times, how much Elon Musk loves a good branded product through Tesla, Boring Company, all that stuff. Now that he's, you know, the guy behind Twitter, I'm not going to be surprised at all to see a very robust Twitter branded web store pop up sooner rather than later. Uh, well, that is, as far as I could tell, Twitter does not have any branded merchandise available yeah. to buy online. Like I didn't see an online store or anything. Uh, I, I'm sure they've used promotional products before. Like I feel like I've seen them around, whether it's covering distributors who have worked with Twitter or whatever. But the fact that they have no existing e-commerce operation is actually kind of insane to me, considering they have like 217 million users. Like even if a tiny fraction of those uh, those users is like, oh, I want to wrap some some Twitter merch, like that's mm-hmm. still you know revenue that they're just leaving on the table. Um, not to mention the fact that they have a logo and mascot that seems like tailor-made. It totally lends itself to they get the blue bird super yeah. easily. Um yeah, I don't know why they, they haven't. Maybe, you know, it's being that it was a public company with so many different, you know, people, so to speak. If Jack Dorsey himself never felt like developing anything, it doesn't really seem like the tangible world doesn't really seem like anything he's interested in. True. So maybe that might have been it. But he's a big the big tech guy. He's um, a big tech guy. But so is Elon Musk, or uh, ostensibly, anyway. He so is, but this is the guy who, you know, made flamethrowers, so... <laughs> Yeah, branded flamethrowers. Yeah. Um, and a- as we've discussed at length on this podcast, if Elon is anything, he is a savvy marketer. Um, and like you said, he's really bought into branded merchandise for basically every other business venture he's been involved in. Um, so I know that when we talked about 
when he got that that minority stake, uh, how he wanted to make some changes to Twitter, some of the things that we thought that he was going to do, whether it was tweaking the algorithm or adding an edit button or whatever. Uh, but I think I will be the least surprised if he gets some kind of merchandise operation up and running fast, because that's just been kind of his MO with all of his other business ventures. Yep. I think at, at the very minimum, we'll see some hats. You know, Got to have some. Uh, the, the man loves his hats. He does um, love a hat. I, <laughs> I I came up with a, a couple free ideas for merchandise. If you want to hear them for for Twitter, I have a couple uh, of to, mine too. Let's, let's, just to let's get okay, good. good. Um, so Elon, since we know you're listening, feel free to use any of these. Just credit promo marketing if you do. We don't need any royalties or anything. Just you know, this is this is for you to crib from. Uh, but okay, so first one I got: uh, Twitter bird mascot stress ball. That's, That's that good. seems like a gimme, right? It's safe. Um, I learned today as I was researching for this this podcast that uh, the Twitter bird has a name. Um, I didn't know that. What is it's, it? It's apparently its name is Larry, uh, like Larry Bird, the basketball legend. Uh, which that makes no sense to me, but that's um, yeah. I, I feel like I was okay with never knowing that, yeah, but now that I do, that, I don't. Yeah. Um, but when it's on Jeopardy, you know you'll be <laughs> you'll be glad. I'm waiting for it, man. I've just been watching every episode, just hoping for that that question uh, or answer or whatever it is. Um, I, second thing I had was uh, some blue light blocking glasses for when you're you're scrolling in bed and you you know you're in the endless Twitter scroll. You gotta gotta protect the the uh, the what is it the the REM not the REM cycle. What's the what's Your, the thing uh, with circadian the blue light? rhythm? Circadian rhythm. Circadian yeah. rhythm. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Um, then I got a, a Twitter branded power bank because, you know, you got to preserve the phone battery when you're scrolling. That's pretty good. Um, and then the real moneymaker, uh, custom T-shirts where you can add your favorite tweets. So you could get oh, like, oh, that's a good one. The, you get like the Tony Hawk tweet on your T-shirt. And I've seen these elsewhere, like through, I don't know, Redbubble or some of those custom merchandise websites. But Twitter, it's right there. Like it's all tweets. So just, you know, bring it in house, you know. All right, let me, let me, those are all really good. I could definitely see those on a store. My ideas were a bit more specific to functions of Twitter and, you know, a bit more niche, maybe. Uh, the one thing I thought of was a, like a block, like a toy block. Like, you know, if you, you can block things on Twitter, block you, get, you get the Twitter block in that same that is, vein. That is really good. Thank you. Uh, the other one I thought about was since so much of Elon's, you know, plans for Twitter involved the edit button. Remember the easy button from Staples? Yes. It's a big over oversized easy button or edit button, of course, in the Twitter blue. And the other one, I'm not sure exactly how this would work. I'd have to, you know, maybe go to some uh, different manufacturers, but like a bird call thing. Like, you know, like the little duck bird calls. The, they make. the whistle. Exactly. But, you know, for the right, Twitter, for Larry, for Larry, Bird. for Larry. Yeah, uh, those are all really good. Those are way better than mine. Uh, I think you have a, a future career as a uh, the promotional products design specialist. You know, it's, it's like learning marketing, but you immerse yourself in it for enough time. You're going to you are the Twitter, the fluid. Twitter expert of, of the two of us. So that's, <laughs> you've got you've got the deep background to, to come up with these. Um, Oh, I got I got one more. Ready? Two words. Twitter flamethrower. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, that might just, you know. He's done it before, so why not do it again? Just <laughs> If there's one man who can bring the flamethrower to social media marketing, it's Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. We'll see what happens here with uh, 
with Elon and Twitter and this whole saga. Um, it'll be as with all things Elon Musk, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, and it gives us a, a constant a churn of, of content, at least. So we appreciate that. Um, lots of branded merchandise news coming from the Elon Musk front. So um, we'll see what he does. We'll see if he uses any of these ideas. Uh, Elon, remember, just credit promo marketing if you do. Uh, at least send us one of these things. Yeah, send us some of the, uh, the prototypes. We'll check them out. We'll, we'll let you know if they're up to our standards. Uh, but yeah, you got anything else or you want to just get into this interview with uh, Emily and Dominique? No, I think, I think this was a really good interview that um, I was looking forward to. It's obviously something that concerns just about everyone in the promo space. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to, like like I said up top, it's going to be a, an ongoing issue. There's going to be more price increases coming. Uh, we expect them to as the supply chain remains in utter chaos. So um, yeah, let's get to that. And we'll, we'll, here we go. Emily, Dominique, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, hopefully, Emily, everything went well with the uh, the washer dryer installation. Do they actually show up finally for that? Yes, uh, it's been a three month debacle. So I am uh, happy to say I can do laundry. I've never been so excited to do it. That's how those things usually go, especially with like the cable company. If you're waiting for them to come out, it's like they'll give you a window and then they don't show up anywhere close to what that window is. 12 was, hour so. window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait there by your door for all 12 hours and we won't show up anyway. <laughs> um, before we get too far in here, do you, do you want to both introduce yourselves and give a little background on uh, what you do and on your company, Whitestone Branding? Sure. Yeah. I'll start. Uh, my name is Dominique. I'm the vice president of Whitestone. Um, I've been with the company for a little over six years. Um, I was one of the first employees. So when I started, it was just me and Joe, the owner, um, started actually in operations and then switched over to sales and have been in sales ever since and uh, just became the VP last year. And my name is Emily. Um, I'm head of business development. And um, I got into the promotional products industry um, like three months before COVID hit. Um, so it's truly a a very interesting start, uh, to the industry. Um, but I had previously worked in sports and was in sales. And so, uh, the nature of selling and, you know, all the same stuff, just different product. (laughs) Nothing like learning an entirely new industry when you have to also learn everything else in your life completely again (laughs) with, with everything. I remember asking Dominique being like, is this? normal and she's like no none of this is what you're learning is normal. i was like oh okay good so like i'll learn it covid and then i'll learn it regular Great. yeah you gotta learn it again, oh, learn it again. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. definitely an interesting start but hey kept me on my toes and that was what i was looking for so very exciting. cool uh so today we are talking about everybody's favorite topic which is price increases yay we all we all love when things go up in price um emily i spoke to you a couple months back for our big magazine cover story on the topic. Uh, so I thought it would be cool to check back in with you and bring Dominique in to see, you know, how things have changed since then. Obviously this is a, you know, as with pretty much everything else, this is a fluid situation. Um, we've heard from a lot of suppliers that have said price increases are, uh, there's going to be more coming for 2022. Um, so a lot of change happening here. You know, what are you seeing here and what are you expecting and what are you doing to prepare for those things? Definitely. Um, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is yes, it's all increasing, but 
luckily it's not a surprise to anybody. It's a topic of conversation. Any industry you're in, it does not matter. We're seeing this across the board. And so it's not a surprise when we go to our clients and they see pricing. Like, um, so I think that's the nice part about it is it's universal and yes, it's happening, but everybody's aware that it's happening. Yeah. I think also, um, just in the sales process, we are definitely adding a ton more communication, even if it's just one-liners of saying things like, um, you know, to use the cost loosely in the presentation as they're subject to change Mm -hmm. or setting some parameters around estimates whenever we are sending something slightly large, definitely making sure that that verbiage is in the email that, you know, we'll hold this pricing for X amount of time, depending on where we're sourcing it just so that there is that backtracking that we can do to kind of point out that we did, you know, we've been educating along through the process. We're here to help and we're here to create solutions. I think the entire business is, has always been a solution-based industry. Um, So that I think is helpful in some way of we're already kind of used to budgets changing and needing to swap to a different item. So that is a little bit helpful in that it's kind of within our workflow as an industry Uh, But definitely heavy on the communication. Um, And now that, like Emily said, it's really in every industry, it's easy for us to kind of pin it as, you know, this isn't a Whitestone thing. This is a global shift. And I'm sure you're feeling the effects in your everyday life and saying things like, of course, you understand that X, Y, Z, or I'm sure you're seeing this. It's kind of just adding that extra personal touch of, you know, obviously you guys know, (laughs) that prices are changing and you're paying more for everything else. So unfortunately this is no different and we're experiencing the same things that you're likely experiencing in every other industry. So it seems like you guys have been really proactive in communicating all these industry supply chain challenges with the, with your customers, especially through the swag lab newsletter. How important do you think it is just to keep uh, this regular communication on this kind of thing? And do you think it's kind of helped Whitestone in particular manage the price increases, like it kind of softens the blow to your customers? Absolutely. Um, I think especially so as in business development, like I am that first conversation with a new customer. And so I think to one set expectations and just be transparent as possible, the more information that we can share with you and give you an insight on what's going on in the industry, you're going to better understand and get our expectations. So Like if you're asking for something within 24 hours, I'm going to tell you that's probably not possible, but you know, going into it, what to expect. Um, So I think the more we can communicate and share this information, the better it is for everybody involved. We're all on the same page. Um, And yeah, I think doing that is, you know, been key to keeping really good relationships, building relationships and keeping clients coming back and working with us. We also, um, we actually recently, uh, the, our marketing person just went on to a different endeavor going into restaurant marketing. So we have kind of been internally talking about, um, you know, marketing needs versus marketing wants and marketing needs is communicating these kind of industry issues. So today specifically, we actually just put out an email blast to all of our um, clients that there's been delays at the Shanghai ports and in China 
there's been anywhere from a one to three week delay in addition to all of the normal you know delays that everybody has seen but specifically right now there's a delay coming and factory is mentioning it so anytime that we're getting several email blasts we definitely want to send something out to our customers so that it's in their email and we can always refer back to them whenever you know if they have a project in-house that kind of just lets them know without having to go through every single one, like these are happening. Um, We let our production team know that we sent out that blast so that they're prepared for the questions that may be coming in. Um, And to also kind of help push any, um, any client who is waffling or on the fence about placing their order, kind of dragging their feet a little bit, it, you know, sending out these email blasts that are informative and letting them know this, this is out of our hands and there are delays. So, you know, plan accordingly, reach out to your project manager. And I think that also kind of helps to just keep, keep clients honest a bit so that they know, you know, they know that there are delays, but sometimes just putting it in their inbox, even if it's just a couple sentences to say, Hey, just flagging this to you all that kind of helps our salespeople, our production people say, I know that you received this, email at the beginning of the week, just Mm -hmm. wanted to let you know there are some delays going on and we can kind of refer back to that communication. Um, I also think that just in general, in terms of being proactive, um, keeping the rotation of new items really helps. So rather than trying to say this one item has a price increase, swapping it out for something that's new and exciting and kind of keeping those fresh ideas going for clients so that it's not always a conversation about a price increase, but rather here's a different item that's comparably priced, um, similar quality that maybe you want to switch it out to just to have something new, kind of pivoting the conversation away from a price increase to here's something we saw, we thought of you that's new and exciting. So trying to kind of frame the conversation outside of here's this negative thing into here are some positives and kind of allowing our creativity to to shine through in those times. And that ties in exactly with what I was going to ask next, which was Emily, when, when I talked to you for the magazine story, you know, you shared a ton of great advice for distributors on dealing with price increases. But my favorite thing that you said was, and this is a quote, our strategy remains the same, helping our customers make the most impact with whatever budget they have. So can you go into some more detail on you know what that means at Whitestone and what this looks like in practice? I mean, Dominique covered a little bit of it in, in you know above, but maybe an example of how this strategy has helped you guys work through a particularly tricky situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think just like in general, um, we work to be an extension of your brand. Um, you don't call us and say, "Hey, you know, I need a T-shirt." We ask the questions like, "Okay." where is this gift going? It's all about asking the right questions and getting down to the bottom line of like, what is the purpose of this? Um, And I think asking those questions is getting down to the root of what's needed. So, okay, yes, you need a t-shirt, but is this a gift? Do people need to wear it? You know, what is the the reason that you're making this purchase? Um, And again, I think we like to treat our clients differently. At the end of the day, it's asking the right questions and getting down to the root of, you know, what they're looking for. So in regards to the strategy on, um, you know, dealing with price increases and how we work and helping our customers finding the most impact with whatever budget they have. um, A lot of the time, similarly to what I was saying earlier, you know, we are an extension of their brand and we try to kind of remove ourselves as Whitestone with the price increases and more to whatever your budget is, we can make something work. So sometimes if people ask, you know, they say that they want an umbrella, 
I will always say, you know, we can sell you a $7 umbrella or a $70 umbrella. And it's all up to you on how you want to utilize your budget. If you are telling me you have $10 for the umbrella for your budget, but you also have $25 for t-shirts, you know, maybe we want to shift that budget around a little bit. I'll help you find the best bang for your buck for that $35 all in budget on both items. So just giving us, we try to ask the right questions to get as much information out of them as possible so that we can really try to pre-plan for them and kind of be that ancillary business in within their team to say, you know, this is what your budget is that you came to us with and what you asked for. This is what we think is a better bang for your buck. So we could go with this other brand of t-shirts and we could up the quantity by 50 units and get a better price. And that way it leaves, you know, X amount of budget for the umbrella. So by trying to kind of get in and get a seat at the table a little bit, um, I think this honestly is kind of an opportunity for us to show our expertise and to show that we know what we're talking about. We can help suggest things. And the more information we're given, the more that we can help you, um, you know, utilize every dollar of your budget and get the best return on your investment. And that helps position, you know, Whitestone as more of a, a partner and a solutions provider and somebody who's actively involved in, you know, the client's order and, and making sure that their needs are met, right? For sure. And yeah, I think that um, just in terms of like program business, I think that is similar trying to get that seat at the table. So it seems like pricing increases, especially right, like how they're going right now where they're ongoing. It seems like that's an extra challenge with program business or reorders, right? And how do you handle that kind of thing? Yeah. So we definitely have a good amount of clients who are doing a lots of reorders that have been reorders for years. Um, and now it's kind of all coming to a head. I have one particular client um, that I think you guys might have talked about in the, the magazine article that was a museum client that they have been ordering the same thing since 2014 with me. And now it's all coming to a head. Everything is discontinued. Everything is out of stock and everything is more expensive when it does come in. So we had to kind of have a little bit of a come to Jesus moment with them to say like, this is happening. It's not going to stop. So every reorder that you're sending me, I'm the bearer of bad news, but why don't we get on, you know, set aside a full hour. We'll come to the table with an updated presentation for you that shows all new items similar items to what you were getting before, similar price points. So you can kind of see what your money will get you now. And then we can talk about future buys. So another big client we have that's doing a company store, something I'm trying to work out with them is to future and pre-plan their buys. So kind of working with them to figure out how much of each item they're going to order throughout the year. And if they can't tell me throughout the year, can they tell me throughout the quarter? And then I can kind of amortize out and let them know if they were going to order a thousand units this quarter and they are intending to do that each quarter, can we somehow work out a good program with them that we would be able to hold the price for the whole year if they order, you know, the 4,000 upfront or Whitestone can help to bankroll some of that 4,000 upfront and bill on a credit or something so that we're maintaining that price per unit cost. We're keeping the inventory available and we're getting that program pricing for next year. So we'll be even, it'll be preferred to whatever the, the base rate may be, even if it does go up a little bit. So that's a lot of front end work, honestly, to get first to get your clients to understand that that's the case. 
be to be able to read between the lines and fill in information that your clients are not that they're not willing to give you, but they just don't think about or it's not top of mind to them. So I'm making spreadsheets and sending to them saying, just fill in the quantity for each item and we'll go from there. We'll figure out what that buy looks like. And then maybe we can do instead of a quarter, maybe we could do a six month buy and we can figure out what your inventory needs are for that six months so that we can kind of pre-purchase, pre-plan, get the suppliers involved to say, this is what they're intending to do throughout the year. How can we work together? Or, you know, if that means finding a new supplier that is more willing to work with us on program business, um, knowing what they're up against in regards to price increases and having to, you know, hold pricing across the year is difficult. But if we're willing to put down, you know, the 50 grand needed to secure that pricing and to secure that inventory, that's something that takes weeks up front working with our client and creating those processes and systems with them to kind of best serve them. Um, so that's something that we're kind of proactively trying to do with anyone who is a long-term loyal client who may have reorders throughout the year. We're letting them know, hey, up front, we likely will see more price increases throughout the year. So what kind of purchases are you anticipating? And then we'll work with you to say, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense to do the whole year, maybe just half the year, and then we can work with you from there so that it's not such a blow every single time that you're reordering and you see a small price increase. And I think like the common denominator there, sorry, um, is just, again, it all comes back to communication and being transparent. The more that we can share with them, the more that they will share with us. And again, as long as everybody's on the same page and we're saying the same things and, you know, our end goal is all the same, um, it just is the communication. The more that we can share, the more that they can share, that's the main factor there. Yeah, because it's it's like, I, I wrote this in the story, you know, the only thing I need people dislike more than price increases is surprise price increases, which is like, you know, my local, my favorite local pizza place told me months in advance, they were going to be increasing their prices at my local McDonald's just, you know, it was $15 for three small fries going through the drive-thru. <laughs> I had no idea it was coming. So there's a big difference there. Communication definitely helps. Um, Dominique, you mentioned the, you know, the inventory and being able to secure it in advance. It seems like, you know, th this, you know, the, the combination of higher prices and the inventory issues that the industry has been facing is like extra challenging. You know, you mentioned some ways to, you know, that you can combat that the price and higher prices and, and price increases is, you know, finding similar product at a different price point or, you know, good, better, best options, that kind of thing. But like, that's a lot harder when you can't find products. Right. So how are you guys, you know, first, what are you seeing here as far as inventory goes? Is it, you know, is it getting any better than it was? And you know, how are you managing this? I do kind of feel like it is getting better than it was. I feel like those giant cargo ships that have been waiting for the last two years finally were received recently. <laughs> um, they are now going to be gone momentarily, I'm sure, but it definitely got a little bit better for a second. It almost feels a little bit like a tease because I feel like the price increases stopped for a second. The inventory got better for a second, but we know it's all not going to continue that way. Um, so we, I will say just personally with my clients, I am just extra annoying to them these days. <laughs> I am following up with a smile and rushing people constantly and letting them know 
you know, I would suggest you make a, an A, B, and C choice because likely your A will be out of stock and B, there's a chance. So <laughs> if you have a long line of approvals ahead of you, I would definitely bring three to the table and three to the team and, and let your team know that that's the case and it, it could very well be out of stock. That said, also working with your vendors and having a good relationship with your suppliers is super helpful. We've definitely been able to put a big PO on hold because the artwork wasn't approved, but the client said 100% we want this item. Um, we had a really big order for a publication and it was like 4,000 bento boxes with Gemline and they were set to deliver. Uh, we ordered them while they were backstocked, about a month backstocked. This was in November and they came in, they were supposed to come in December 13th and then December 30th and then uh, March 1st. <laughs> And I think they came in, they came in maybe two weeks ago, um, which our client actually was a return to office gift. So they actually emailed me and said, I think we want to delay until June 1st. Can we just store everything with you? And I said, of course, of course again, please delay. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> please delay that. Um, so that worked out, but just again, that constant communication, we were letting her know that there are delays. The last two delays, we were like, maybe we wait just to see what they say. Um, but we, you know, kept them abreast of the situation. We actually had to change the initial option because their first option was out of stock right as we were about to place the PO. So it was a long time coming, but because we were proactive and kind of keeping them in the loop on everything. Sometimes it's hard as salespeople because you don't want to tell them all the issues because sometimes they're not real issues that they need to know. And it can be difficult to, you know, you, you cause a scare when there doesn't need to be one. Um, so sometimes it's hard to know when you want to communicate issues and when you don't. But I think now more than ever, you kind of have to, and you need to be upfront and just let at the end of the day, it is what it is. If they don't come through customs, I can't magically produce 4,000 bento boxes. So it's better to let them know in January that they're a bit delayed so that they can pre-plan because I think clients are also needing to think very differently about the way that they spend their budgets, where their client, where their, um, you know, where their employees are even going to be. Again, this was a return to office situation. So the more that you let them know, then they can plan as well. It doesn't always work in your favor, but I think that's just kind of par for the course right now. Um, and one losing one order because the timing didn't work out on stock, you may have gained a more loyal client because you were upfront with them and said, you know, if this doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And I always say to people that we care more about the relationship than the order. And I, you know, not that I don't care about this order, but at the end of the day, this order isn't the thing that I'm gunning for. The thing I'm gunning for is, to be that go-to person that you can answer, you can ask me random questions, you can send me your one-off little rush orders because those are the kind of vendors that they're gonna to go to when they do have the long-term campaigns and when they do have those big orders because you helped them, you educated them, you were personable. And I think those are the things that you kind of need to do in this era of nothing is available and everything's expensive. <laughs> so that's definitely, um, taking the liberties to reserve some stock when you're able to having those good relationships and proactive follow-ups on checking inventory for people. If I have a big order, I'll check it every day. It's annoying, but it's better than losing a, you know, $50, $100,000 order to someone else who is checking every day. Um, and then just not feeling bad about your follow-ups and constantly, um, 
bringing them to your client and letting them know why, you know, our, our factory is reaching out because the stock's starting to dwindle. Are you ready? Are you going to be ready soon? Like, what can I do to help you move this forward? Do you need a sample? Just constantly making them know that you're there to ultimately help them. And, you know, if this goes out of stock, we'll find another option. It's no big deal, but it could go out of stock. So since it's already proved, we should really get this moving. Um, just kind of trying to continue to push that needle forward with everyone um, in your follow-ups. And I think it's like, what, eight to 12 follow-ups needed for a sale to close, they say. So I knew people, I, I feel whenever we're training someone is like, I don't want to follow up too soon. I feel bad, but now send it because it's going to take three more before they say yes. And that can happen in two days or that can happen in two weeks. Um, in two weeks, the stock's probably going to be gone anyway. So definitely keeping that line of communication open, both with your clients and with your suppliers to have them help you out whenever they can. So kind of to continue that, what, what else can suppliers do to make things easier for distributors on all this stuff? I think just continue to communicate with us. Um, the news blast that we sent out today was because a supplier came to us and said, hey, there's going to be port closures. Like we expect delays in shipping. We literally copy pasted, changed up the wording and said that to our clients. So keeping us in the loop is the best thing that can happen. I would agree. I think the communication key is definitely key. Um, also just... I mean, obviously keeping us informed of what's going in and out of stock, but also the on their website with the people who do have like the deep inventory uh, filters, yeah. love that. Um, the, the people who have the working websites obviously are the people's champ with the checking inventory. And if you don't have that, like you're doing a disservice, I feel, to your customer service reps because now you're going to be inundated with inventory calls that it's probably not going to be correct by the time the person hangs up the phone. So um, I think kind of getting ahead of it with technology is the people who are doing that. I think they're probably faring a lot better because they're relying on tech rather than relying on labor, which is super difficult right now. Um, and then again, having those relationships with your, your vendors, the people who reach out to us and say, what can we help with? What do you have going on? Um, showing us, you know, what we've done year to date, I think that's super helpful and kind of keeps them top of mind. And then again, letting us know when inventory is coming in. Um, there's a couple of suppliers I feel who do that really well and who will reach out to say, we have these new items coming in. We have these new brands coming in because that also just gives us fuel to send to our clients to say, okay, like there's nothing that is Nike that is in stock in this world. So how about this other new vendor or this other new uh, name brand that's coming in which we wouldn't necessarily know unless they're sending through to us because it's hard to monitor all of the new things coming in. So I think that communication is always key, but especially now and then leaning in on tech where they're able to, I think that's definitely helpful on our end. Big cosign on the uh, updated supplier websites. Mm -hmm. When we're putting the magazine together and you know that, that helps us a ton too when we're looking for updated products to include in, in good imagery and all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, we're coming up on time here, but I, before we, we let you guys go, I did want to hear, you know, what do you have going on at Whitestone that you're excited about? Cause you know, we spent a half hour talking about price increases, which are not so much fun, but you know, what are you, what are you guys doing? That's fun or exciting or just interesting that you want to share? Yeah. 
We are hiring. We just brought on two new salespeople. Um, we just brought on a new director of operations, which um, she actually was one of my clients for five years before coming on. So that was kind of cool to, to have someone who knows us very well um, kind of come in and see the flip side and help from a client experience standpoint. Um, and then we also hired recently another graphic designer and an e-com specialist um, for production. So we're, we're trying to kind of up our game a little bit in the e-com world. And we're also going to have our first full offsite with everybody in person um, in the fall. So we're kind of getting that plan started for 30 people to <laughs> fly to one location, which is a lot. Always easy to do. It's super the breeze. easy to plan. Especially these days, flights all days. flights are always on time and they're, you know, everything's great. <laughs> yep. Everything's cheap. It's great. Um, but that'll be the first time half of the company's meeting. So I'm personally very excited about that. Um, it's always weird to have someone that you work with for two years and <laughs> never know how tall they are or what the back of their head looks like. So I'm very excited to see that for sure. And then all of the events for sales, the power meetings um, were a part of TPG. So we're going to a sales retreat for TPG this month. So um, I'm excited that events are back and we can start being, you know, personable and people again um, and being able to kind of put those uh, faces to names in person is, is always really exciting for me. And is there anything that you guys want to add that we haven't covered today? I don't think so. No, I think we hit it all really well. I would just kind of tie it all together. I would just say like, I think Dominique said it great, like communication is key and that is, you know, how we do so well. And um, we like, we build these relationships and it's more than just a sale. It's not transactional. Um, I think the building of relationships comes through communication and, you know, that's what makes everything work so well for us here. Great stuff. Well, we really appreciate the time and all the, the great information that you shared and I wish you the best of luck with, uh, especially with getting that event together. Uh, Cause we know, <laughs> we know uh, with our power meetings, how just, you know, how that goes. So. Yeah. You guys do power meetings really well though. I feel like you guys are the, the top tier uh, people to beat on the locations and the, the activities. So I had a great time at my power meeting in Napa and well, hopefully ours will rival. <laughs> Boy, my well, God, I didn't that. stop recording yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, an unpaid promotion, by the way, yeah, for everyone listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, again, we really appreciate you stopping by and uh, we hope everything goes great for you with everything you have going on. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. That is all we got for this episode. If you like what you heard, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any tips or comments, you can always hit us up on Elon Musk's Twitter at promo underscore marketing. Thanks again, everybody. For Brendan Menapace, I am Sean Morris, and this is the Promo Marketing Podcast.